0: Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sybottom. Each week I'll bring you inspirational guests who help you bring fun, energy and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. Welcome to episode number 190 of the podcast with Lenita Butcherbake. Now, before we get into today's episode, and I can tell you right now, you're going to love it. I just hope everyone is going well. You know, it's been a tough few months on lockdown uh, with, you know, life not really being like it normally does. And um, hopefully that you were, you know... Taking time to really invest in yourself, to bring that joy and happiness in each and every day. And as I always say, make sure that you have some form of play, movement, gratitude and kindness. Because the greatest thing you can do is be kind to yourself. And when you're kind to yourself, that reflects in your actions and attitudes toward others. And Lanita is one of those people that is making huge waves around the world with the impact she's having through the Wellbeing Warrior Project and everything else she's doing. So I'm not going to steal any more of the thunder. I'm really excited for you to listen and learn from her, um, and I can guarantee everybody will take something away from today's chat. So as I always say, guys, sit back, relax. This is episode number 190. Alright, <laughs> guys. Welcome back to the podcast. Very excited. Lanita back. Did I get that right? You were so close. <laughs> I have butchered so many people's last names. How butchered, do I say a I've got it very close. Anyway, Lenina, how are you today? You good?
1: I'm good, Dale. How are you?
0: Yeah, fantastic. Now, very excited because I got to sit through one of the most amazing presentations that you did uh, last week. Um, this will be out in a couple of weeks from that. But your presentation on the online summit was amazing. Feedback incredible. Um, how did you feel doing it? And and I suppose two-part question, going from presenting all around the world in face, now you're doing it online. What's changed?
1: Mm. Great questions. Firstly, I felt amazing. Obviously, you know, I was so fortunate to get that opportunity to, you know, talk to your audience and deliver my zone of genius. So first and foremost, I was just so excited and I just couldn't wait to get on the webinar. (laughs) So thank you for having me. It's been different. It's been a little bit different. I think I went in, you know, a little bit not sure if people would resonate through the online model, but I found when you lead with just that natural, human connection and just be just be yourself online the transfer of energy it can be exactly the same i know we can't really always it will never actually take over the one-to-one being face-to-face is special and we can never replace that but i think if you deliver it in a really cool manner and just be yourself and connect to humans the online interaction is just as effective so i found that just yeah it was super cool just delivering that for you guys
0: I, and I loved it. And I think like everything you mentioned, we're going to talk about this, everything comes back to relationships and you are very good. I could imagine, I've never seen you in, in person, but I can imagine you up on that stage, just dominating, having them all eating of your palm. And you've been able to do that online. And I've said a couple of times now, Anita, that if you can engage an audience through a computer, imagine what you can do in front of them. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to talk more about that, but let's get your background. Can you sort of paint the picture, PE teacher, your upbringing, everything like that? Yeah,
1: of course. Um, all right. Let's, let's try to keep my long story somewhat short. <laughs> I guess um, in terms of, you know, taking it back to when I was, when I was a kid myself, you know, growing up, um, I come from a, from a Middle Eastern background. My parents are Lebanese. I, I was born in Australia, but I come from a Middle Eastern culture and I was, I was practically raised in a very loving family. Um, I did really well in school on paper. I did really well. Like I must admit, in terms of academics, I was very athletic, but behind the scenes, there were a lot of a lot of setbacks happening behind the scenes. So you know, I came across, um, I grew up with divorced parents. Uh, we had financial hardships. You know, there was a few hiccups along the way, but I was very blessed with tremendous mentors, especially my mother. So that's what really helped me excel uh, when it came to school and my academics. Uh, and my athletics so naturally i fell into a, a lot of mentoring roles in school i was the peer support leader i was the sport captain you know i did really well and i'm just very fortunate that i was able to beat the odds but it really came down to mentorship i wasn't any more academic than a kid i wasn't the best basketball player or the best swimmer or anything like that i just really worked hard because i was held accountable you know so um, from that I felt like I was just I felt called to give back to a lot of younger kids especially when I was a teenager too so that leadership role led me into you know thinking about teaching and I thought oh do I want to become a teacher do I want to stay in school and then I thought to myself but I love PE I love coaching and just PE teaching seemed like the right fit for me at that time so I went to the University of Sydney. I got into my, that degree that I really wanted to obviously study and I graduated as PE teacher and I loved teaching. I got into the classroom. I fell right into that role. But then I always had this itch to work on summer camps. So I actually went to America and worked on summer camps over there absolutely fell in love with that role. Um, but obviously it was time to come back to, you know, my, my career and actually become a responsible adult. So I couldn't be on summer camp all the time.
0: <laughs> so reality. I started
1: teaching in class. I know, right? I had so much fun on camps. <laughs> and, you know, the whole lifeguard. I was coaching swimming over there too. Um, so, yeah, I always crack a joke. Like we were actually wearing the red bathers like Baywatch and we thought that we were the thing. But we <laughs> <laughs> so I came back to teaching PE in Australia and I you know once again I was I was on a high I really wanted to just go all in with the teaching and I thought let's bring in the summer camp feel as well. I really started to learn how kids were thriving personally with their mental health and well-being. So I wanted to bring that feel back into the classroom but very quickly I found myself quite limited in Touching on mental health and well-being, especially as a PE teacher, we have that platform, we have that time, and I still felt like I was quite limited to touch on sensitive topics. So that's when I felt like, okay, I need to do something else. I feel like I'm called to extend my influence beyond classroom walls. I started to tap in into different platforms with with youth groups, community clubs, sporting clubs, and I found that it was phenomenal. But, you know, obviously, we all know as educators in the market, the income isn't the greatest when you're always volunteering in the community. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to go out on my own. And I thought, let me package my teaching skills. Let me package my youth group skills, sporting, et cetera. And I'm going to package this into my own coaching and speaking business. And that was about uh, six years ago. And I built my own organisation called the Wellbeing Warrior Project. And I deliver a lot of well-being and mental health uh, workshops and talks for kids. And I also coach teenagers one-on-one. So that's literally my story in a snippet. Um, but that's kind of how I started. I,
0: I love that. And so let's go back a little bit. So obviously you had these yes. great experiences. You, you love what you did, but you wanted to do it on a bigger scale on your own terms. What What was that turning point where you thought, right, of I need to leave teaching to have a big impact when what was did that take a long time what was the catalyst where did you get the courage to do that um yeah. how did that come about Lanita
1: great question I love this question Dale I, I think there was a, a couple of things it wasn't like one particular pivotal point I think it was a it was little moments that eventually just added up to that decision like this is the time um a few examples were I I was always the first majority of the time I was the first point of contact in a school where the kids would come to me and open up and uh very blessed to have that role especially as PE teachers kids naturally will open up to us about life because we are talking about life a lot of the time and um first point of contact dealt with a lot of pastoral issues but then my hands were tied because I always had to pass it on to executive, which of course I respected all the time. I'd pass on those incidences to the to the principals, etc. But I found that kids were getting lost in the system and they weren't necessarily being taken care of. So I had a lot of parents try to approach me for additional support. And I, I really just couldn't do anything else. I'm like, I, I've passed it on to my executives. We just need to trust the process. So that was one example. Another example was me personally as a teacher, I'd never fitted in the system. I was heavily butting heads with the system. I love kids. I show affection. I'm, the, I'm that teacher during recess and lunch. I'm on the playground. I'm not in the staff room. Like I'm just that type of teacher, you know, really with kids and deep, meaningful conversations, you know. So I just naturally, um, I was heavily judged when it came to that. I never really was supported and backed by mentors who were meant to be my mentors in schools. So, and then I also, I always wanted to talk more about the real life issues, the concerns, the conversations, and I wasn't personally fulfilled just teaching to academic outcomes all the time. And I was also personally burnt out as well. So there were a few different concerns that were happening. I literally had a quarter life crisis. Like I was like, what am I doing quarter life. with my life? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love
0: crisis. Like, I've never heard that.
1: <laughs> I know. I love saying that. It's so hilarious. But, um, but it's true. I was marking exam papers and I thought to myself, how am I really supposed to empower these kids when I'm forcing it from my end? I'm really faking it at the moment and I'm not walking the talk. And, and I'm someone that I have to teach from life experience. I can't just teach from a book. It's not real. And so at about 24, 25, so if you know, obviously about five, six years ago, I decided, you know what, it's time to just take a risk, believe in my skills. I have parents asking me for additional support um, I had parents through youth groups, through my church youth group, actually telling me, "Look, you know, if you can support my kid, I'll pay you." And I was like, "What? Like you'll pay me?" And they're like, "Yeah." And that's when I was like, "Okay, well, um, let's get down to business." <laughs> so I decided, <laughs> I decided to actually learn the business end of coaching kids because it's one thing being a great educator and having the skills, but if you don't know the business, you're not going to actually, you know, really sustain that long term. So that's when I quit my full-time job. I did obviously, you know, a few substitute teaching days to pay the bills, but I went all in on that that side hustle, and then, you know, stuck it out, played the long game, and still in it till today. So that was what's really important: playing the long game, and you will start to reap the rewards. And uh, yeah, just a few reasons why that kind of came out came about for me.
0: I love that, and like you said, it is a long game. It doesn't just go from. I've got an idea, it's gonna work out. And and for people listening, if you are that, then there are some hard years of struggle. But when did you realize, So in that six years, when did you realize that I am the real deal? Geez, I am good. Like, when did you think, was there a moment you were speaking and you just went like, wow, I, I've got this. I am very good at what I do. Was there a moment? Oh.
1: I that's such a good I know this is
0: hard yeah. because you don't want to brag you don't want to do these things but <laughs> are very good and we'll get to that was there a moment though when you just yeah. said right I've, I've, I'm crushing mm. this mm.
1: for me it it's something that I always love to reflect on is the letters that I receive from parents and kids so it's great to be acknowledged on stage and get the standing ovation and have have kids follow you on Instagram etc and parents etc but and obviously getting paid for this too at a a good price. But when I get personal letters from kids and parents, and I'm talking pages long of just them pouring their heart out. um, That's when I knew, gosh, I got to just keep doing this because if I can do this for one family, you know, who knows how many other people I can actually help and empower. And it's a ripple effect because when you, when you lead a, a young child, and they grow with that confidence, they'll naturally show up as a leader for their friends. And you're naturally just touching so many other people. So um, yeah, it's the letters that I receive. You know, sometimes parents would, in the early days, they would send flowers to my home. You know, obviously in the, in the early days when I was coaching local kids in the local suburb, um, I'd had parents send me flowers with thank you letters. I'm like, oh my gosh, like they need this so much. I wish I started this earlier. So that's probably one particular example yeah i i love that i think um i talk about
0: this a lot the the ripple effect of kindness and you mm. potentially won't even see that and a lot of the time as teachers we will not see the benefits of our teaching until kids are later in life but one thing you can get is from parents and like you just said the power of a letter now particularly in today's age i talk to you this all the time lonita when you go in the mailbox it's either got junk mail or it's got bills how nice is it when you get a handwritten letter thanking you it's the most amazing thing isn't it
1: uh it's i i i love it so much i keep my letters and i occasionally reflect back because when i do have those tough days i'm like why am i doing this so it's a good it's a good reminder for me and that you know that comes from a lot of the time on summer camps we actually weren't allowed to use phones so we, we had to lock our phones away right and we were encouraged to write letters to our kids and and they would write letters back to their counselors. So. I I brought that that feel back with me, so I write a lot of letters. I start the trend, you know. A lot of my teen clients, I start the letter writing first, and then they'll follow. You know, same with my kids that I teach in schools. Like I'm very open with my how I feel about them. I tell my kids that I love them. I tell my students how I feel, and you set that you set that tone. And they'll, they'll follow. So um, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of writing letters, even if it's not a letter, it's a text message or an email and they'll reply back, you know, kids really, really love that. And yeah, they react really well to that too. But um, yeah, writing letters for sure. Those that are listening, if you want to start this trend, don't wait for the kids to start. You really right need right to start. It. Yeah, yeah right
0: and I think Particularly while you're stuck, home, you know, find somebody, think about somebody in your life, send them a letter and tell them, Exactly. One thing they've done nice for you. It doesn't even need to be a long letter. Like I think sometimes we overthink things, Lenny. I think oh, I need to write <laughs> three pages. Simply write them a paragraph and thank them. Like it'll make somebody's day. It's amazing. So oh. the other thing there, you said, and I'm big on this, I love telling people I love them and I hug them, but mm-hmm. it's very confronting for a lot of people. Have you found when you're doing that, or have you just like that it's hard that people resent or people will push away? um that you've just got to back Mm. yourself and go what what experience have had you like obviously been doing it six years and it's working well but at the start i reckon you would have had a few sort of heartaches with that
1: yeah definitely Uh, especially for a lot of people that struggle to receive whether they're parents, especially parents too, they really struggle to receive and you, you do need to learn how to hold the space for them and make them feel comfortable first before you, you know, just go and just tackle someone or hug someone, you know, <laughs> so you've got to be, be a little bit aware of that. Um, but I find a lot of the time from my experience, people, uh, especially kids, they want to shake your hand. They want to make up a different type of handshake. They want to hug you. And when I'm in schools now, um, because it's so frowned upon, if anything, I hesitate because I don't want to be seen as someone breaking the rules, you know, but, um, but at the same time, if it's, if it's just hugging a a student or shaking their hand, you just got to go with it and just kind of, as long as they feel seen, they feel safe, you've made them feel very loved. I would I would, I would own that over, you know, trying to just follow all the rules, you know, because that kid might just need that that initial exchange, that emotional exchange. Um, but yeah, no, I think a lot of the a lot of the time, the hesitation will actually come from the uh, the adults, which is interesting.
0: Yeah. I think, um, yeah. and it's also one thing yeah. that I, I know as a, 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 when I was a male teacher, that you're just so worried about certain things. I wish I hadn't have been now, because, you know, the kids need it. You know, a lot of time, you're the, like, you don't know what their home life's like. You don't know anything. And if you can, you can be that one shining light. And I just wish, Obviously hindsight's a wonderful thing, but you know, tell people you love them. It's an amazing thing. So enough of that. Let's go to heart leadership. One of the main things that you spoke about on your webinar, which I was just so, I love, I love a good acronym. I think it's amazing and people can relate (laughs) to it. Let's talk about leadership and the heart. Do you want to explain that please Lynette? Because I thought it was brilliant.
1: Of course. I love this so much. Uh, And I'd be more than happy to do this. So this is the type of approach I take with, all kids, all parents I come across, literally anyone that I, that I work with um, closely, I always have always said, you know, heart first content comes second. We really need to put our hearts in what we do first, because if our kids don't know how much we, about how much we care, they won't care about what you say. You really need to just lead with that first and build that human, real, raw connection. And it it takes time, you know? A lot of people will skip this step because they just want to teach to outcomes, but it's this necessary step. And if you skip it, your work with kids is going to be very painful if it's if if it's not already, you know. So we got to get back to the basics. Very really limited. Um,
0: it comes from yeah, yeah. It? If you don't foster those relationships, you're going to really struggle to get anything out of them. And that's why I love this. Sorry, mm-hmm. won't cut you off. Keep going.
1: <laughs> no problem. And um, so so whether I've been on camps, you know, schools, coaching, speaking on stages, etc., I use this on all platforms, and I can confidently share with the audience that this gets results. You know, I'm speaking from like a very results-driven, you know, aspect as well. So number one, the heart model starts off with being humble. Now, as, as human beings, humility is very hard because we have a lot of pride and ego. But at the same time, we really need to ensure that our entire movement, our classrooms, our programs, they are built for the kids, you know, we really need to elevate them above us. Of course, we need to prevent a sense of entitlement with kids and have those hard conversations when they are necessary. But essentially, we are building everything for them and we are serving them. In order for this to be really practical is you need to make it very clear to these kids by telling them that we're here to serve you. Because they actually don't know that. They don't, they're not told that. They don't, they don't, they're not listening to, to adults that actually tell them how much they care about them majority of the time. So we need to remind these kids that we're here to serve them. Uh, a really good way of doing this is of course telling them and, and importantly, giving them a voice about their learning and their journey. Teachers are so used to creating unit, units of work, lesson plans. Everything is top notch and polished but you haven't even received the first group of kids coming into your classroom. So we need to meet these little souls first before we can chuck out a, you know, this universal unit of work that probably hasn't been updated for a few years. You know, so we really need to ensure that we're asking them in that first initial class or engagement, let's get to know you. Give up, a, give up 20 minutes of your class. You know, I know it's hard, it's easier said than done, but give up the 20 minutes just to sit them down. and and talk about life and talk about where they're at and what they actually want to learn with you. And that 20 minutes will set up your school year with so much success because you just gave them that voice. So that's number one in terms of, you know, that humility, um, elevating them, giving them that voice. Number two in the heart model is empowering. So you have to be truly, truly empowering as an educator. And what that means is, leading your education with inspiration rather than force because the kids already feel forced at home. They probably already feel forced with other teachers or their previous teachers before you. So what's going to make you stand out? What's going to really amplify your teaching and instruction? And that's becoming an empowering influencer in their life. Um, How to do this is really to bring in their personal growth. What are they doing in their everyday life that you can showcase and you can embed into your teaching? Once again, this takes time. This takes a bit of sacrifice, but the sacrifice is necessary. If you really want to be in this for the long game and and create long lasting change as well in the kid. And so, you know, for, you know, five, 10 minutes of the classroom, ask them what have they actually been doing? Showcase that personal growth, bring in your personal growth. And that's how you're going to bring your content to life for these kids, because to be honest, they can Google a lot of the content. I'm sure you can relate to this. Like teachers are phenomenal with academics, of course, but with time constraints and we can't cover all outcomes, the kids are going to resort to Google because they didn't have time to cover everything. So if you really want to impress them and, and have that stick, you really need to touch their hearts and that comes from empowering them and inspiring them first. Uh, The third one is one of my favorite ones. It's being authentic. This really means just be, it's just wearing your heart on your sleeve. So it doesn't mean project your crap onto these kids because that's, don't do that because we don't want that. But being emotional and, and wearing a heart on your sleeve is, is being really open about the fact that you love your role as an educator, you know? Leverage those emotional moments in class when you're sharing your story or sharing your testimony. When you get a little bit emotional or teary-eyed, like don't shy away from that, you know, because they're going to connect to the real human life stories here. So we need to play on that as much as we can. Same with, you know, weighing your heart on your sleeve. uh, Recognize, uh, help these kids recognize that you see them, that you hear them, that you love them. You know, don't try to just, speed through your content and tick off outcomes because they know they can call it they know whether you're in it for the right reasons or you're just here for a paycheck don't underestimate these kids they can see it right away you know Um, another thing is obviously of course shaking their hands giving them a nickname if that you know know their names first and foremost sorry a lot of teachers don't even know the kids of all the kids in their classroom You know, so we really need to ensure that we know their names and also give them a nickname. That's a bit of a cute thing to do. But a really personal one is to share stories about your life. They are curious. They are going to suss you out. They're going to ask you questions. Don't just shut them down because you want to build this personal wall. Go work in a corporate office where you're not facing humans. Don't work in a school. (laughs) They're curious, you know. So, so... That's, a, that's one of the biggest compliments you can receive, a real-life question about a kid wanting to know more about you, you know. So that's my favourite one, wearing your heart on your sleeve, being authentic. The next one uh, we move on to is being responsible in the heart model. To some extent, of course, we are responsible for the personal development of a young child. They're spending a lot of their hours with us in, in our programs or in schools. So we really, we really need to ensure that we're holding them accountable for what we're actually giving them. You know, it's not just about here's your homework, but what can we actually bring more to life for you so you feel more empowered to do your homework, you know? And when they, when they know how much you care about them, they'll want to do things just to impress you because they love you as a mentor and they don't want to disappoint you. You know, that's another angle we need to play with too. So being responsible is giving them practical action steps that they can apply to their life. It's not just homework anymore. It's how can I apply this into my everyday life? Why am I doing this? And following up, you know, I've, I've been substitute, I was doing substitute teaching and I, I purposely go back in as a substitute now. And I'll touch on that a little bit later as to why I do that. There's a strategy behind that, but, um, the, I, I hear a lot of stories where we'll, we'll miss, "Why do we have to do this work? My teacher's not going to check it. And it's true. A lot of teachers don't check homework, depending on the teacher, of course. A lot of kids aren't being held accountable for homework, so how are they going to be actually be held accountable for their life? So we really need to come back in with the basics here and follow up with these kids, whether it's homework or whether it's personal life, etc. And that's what it means to really be responsible. The last one is being transparent. It's more of a personal feel for the teachers. We really need to walk the talk, because we can't just tell kids how to live, we need to show them how to live, you know? And I always think of this little story, a teacher that I had back in the day, she used to preach about being the best version of yourself and. Well being, etc. But we caught her behind the school building smoking a cigarette. Like <laughs> it was funny. It was funny. That was one example, you know. And I was like, well, you know, why should we listen to you if you're hiding the fact that you're not living a healthy lifestyle, you know? So that was just a little funny example. But we really need to walk the talk with these kids and show up with full transparency because they're sussing you out, both online and offline. If you think kids are not going to find you on Facebook or Instagram, you uh, are forget about it because they probably have already tried to even request you as a friend. If you're one of those teachers, uh, where kids absolutely love you, you know, so that's going to happen. So be, be uh, very, very clear with how you're showing up both online and offline and be in alignment with your movement. Are you in this for the right reasons? Do you really want to be a teacher? Because if you don't, and you're, you're coming from a forced angle, like how I was in the beginning, You're doing yourself, your family, and these kids a huge disservice. So, number one, personal alignment is very important. And then number two, keep your cup full as much as you can. This is hard, you know, but with your health, with your personal growth, with your spirituality, how much are you investing in your own, you know, your own life and your own career? Because if you're not fulfilled, It's going to show up with the the delivery and the energy in the room. Your content is one thing, but your energy and your your magnetic presence that's going to amplify your teaching even further. And when you're in the zone, and I know you know this day, or when you're like on fire, you'll be dropping bombs in classrooms, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe I just said that. That's perfect. Let me add that to the unit plan." But you probably wouldn't plan that, you know. But because you're in alignment and you're loving your job and you, you, you're you just here for the kids and you're showing them that you'll, you'll just be on fire, you know, delivering this content. So personal alignment, transparency is really, really important. Keep your cup full, take care of yourself and be a little bit selfish or self full. I should say, if you need to take the day off to protect your mental health, please guys and girls take the day off. Cause if you're going to force yourself to just stick this out and then you snap it at a kid for no reason, You're like, mate, you should have just taken the day off, you know, just take it. So really important. But overall, that's my five step heart checklist to get tremendous results for the kids, but also for us as educators too.
0: Yeah. And I love that. And I think it's brilliant. There's so many good little takeaways that not even teachers, just teachers that, um, if you're in mm. corporate if you're a coach anybody you can apply that to whatever you're doing because again if you're not looking after yourself then you can't look after anybody and that will reflect your family your friends all your connections and everything you got so Anita let's talk about your running resilience projects you're running leadership your coaching where's what explain to everyone exactly what you're doing and where the best place to find you because you fly all over the world you're presenting everywhere you've got all this stuff online I'm sure people mm. want to find more so just <laughs> a little breakdown because you're like me you've got fingers in that many pies. I don't know where to start.
1: <laughs> of course, I'd love to share more about this. So in terms of my work with kids, I do a lot of predominantly my my foundational work is, is one-to-one private coaching for teenagers. So a lot of parents or teachers who would like me to coach their kids or their students, where I personally thrive is that one-to-one coaching Uh, experience so i deliver that through like a lot of mindset and confidence coaching and then that naturally i help them elevate their academic and athletic performance um so that's one end of the business model and the second part is i do travel out to schools events conferences etc and deliver a lot of uh leadership and resilience talks for kids so both the coaching and speaking you can find me at the Wellbeing warrior project um if you, my website is www.wellbeingwarrior.com.au and you can see all of the services i provide there and that's predominantly for families and for schools and events etc so that's all the fun stuff that i'm, I'm doing with the kids
0: <laughs> love that and i will have uh, in show notes guys this is episode 190 uh, there will be a link for all of that and- and I also have a link for your talk that you recently did as well because um, the new type of influence, I think people will be able to get a really good feel. I think that's a great snapshot of what you can offer, you can deliver, not only for teachers, parents, but also students. I love that. So going back to something you said before, I think supply teaching is nearly one of the, well, it's an amazing gig where you can go in and can influence different people each day, but it's also one of the most challenging. Um, it nearly broke me living in London for six months. I was doing it. and. I nearly broke me just because i wasn't building those relationships and i think if supply teachers are listening each day you've got to go in you've got to build relationships you've got to build connection you deliver all day and then you start again fresh the next day so if you want a real challenge that is it so do you still <laughs> do a little bit of that Lanita, or like what are some
1: of your experiences with that yeah of course uh, great question i love talking about this so i as i mentioned before i i purposely go in every few you know months to weeks depending on my schedule because i am quite busy at the moment but i still purposely go in to substitute because i like to i just like to give back you know i heavily invest in my own growth and when i'm learning something phenomenal my first reaction is i can't wait to tell the kids i can't wait to tell the teenagers what i just learned at this personal growth event that i just went to so when i'm going back into the local schools um I purposely you know I, I go in and I do my role as a substitute of course it's funny and they, they don't know half the things I do behind the scenes yeah, you sure know they don't. until they find me until they find me they're like oh my gosh Miss such and such is you know on Instagram and I'm like guys you can't follow me <laughs> <laughs> but we have that conversation of course um, but they, they have no clue and it's funny because a lot of the teachers as well have no clue what I do too so so they come in and look at me as a substitute and of course, a lot of substitutes that would be listening to this, we are spoken down on sometimes. And it's funny. You're like, well, if only you knew what, I, what I'm up to. <laughs> um, but in terms of why I do that, uh, I just want to build connection and rapport with kids and just give back with no expectation in return. You know, I don't even promote myself. A lot of schools don't even know what I do. It's just for the sake of being with the kids. And um, and as I said before, like I'm that teacher during recess and lunch. I'm on the playground. You know, I'm there. Of course, I do want to build rapport with my colleagues and I have that respect, that mutual respect with them. But I really want to kind of just lead the way for this new class of influencers, you know, and and, and it's starting to form. I can, I can see a lot of, a couple of colleagues that have been in my, in my presence as well. They are starting to be on the playground more often and having those deep, meaningful conversations with kids. But I think especially as substitute teachers, guys, we don't have marking to do you're sitting in recess and lunch probably doing nothing 25. go outside yeah i'm like don't yeah exactly they're checking the gram to check on their notification <laughs> but it's like go outside and talk to kids so what i do um depending on the school that i'm at i run free development personal development sessions i teach kids financial literacy during recess and lunch right and um and i link them up to influencers to follow on instagram youtube I have kids asking me how to start Instagram side hustle or, you know, how to save money for university. So when I'm not in the office, the reason why I'm outside is because I'm actually doing some work with the kids. It's just all behind the scenes work and it it moves mountains for these kids. So um, that's why I still go in as a substitute, just to plant those seeds, which is cool. I think that's really
0: cool. And uh, mine, when I was, I haven't done it for a few years now, but mine was probably just to, feel like I was good at sport again. So you'd go into a primary school and you'd beat little kids.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, it keeps me young. You know, oh, it's a, used to act like a kid.
0: <laughs> great for
1: the self-confidence. Now, Elena, I'm aware
0: of your time. I know you've been speaking all day. Um, got a couple of questions I'd like to finish off with. And one of them is from everything you've done, your teaching, your travelling, um, mentoring, coaching, everything like that, if you could go back to 18-year-old Anita and say this one bit of amazing advice from everything you've learned, what would that be?
1: Mm. i would say back yourself you know you're never too young to really make a dent in in education or you know in any type of area you want to tap into if anything i had so i had so much leverage as an 18 year old and i had no clue that i did only because of my youth my youth was just a factor that i could just take advantage right now and leverage because i'm so young and i thought to myself and if i could say to myself as an 18 year old you know, start that thing that you're after now, you know, the fact that you're already entertaining that idea is more than enough reason to say, yep, go for it. Cause it's sparked already within you. And I just think back yourself and pursue it. And with clarity, will, you know, with action will come clarity and then just trust the process. But yeah, definitely. I wish I, I wish I heard that as an 18 year old
0: i think it's uh one of those things as well that, you, like just to have the courage or someone to say no you've got to do it you know because i think we're too often we'll judge we'll doubt we'll find all the reasons not to do it instead of doing it um mm-hmm. and even and then when you finally do it like you just said it's like oh i should have done that earlier and, and like yeah. hindsight's it's a wonderful thing isn't it so i think that's great advice <laughs> if you do have kids or you are young and you're listening start something you're passionate about it doesn't even have to be you know, to make money. It can just be something you enjoy doing because that's when you're getting flow. That's your creativity. That's your mindfulness. Um, so I think that's great big advice. And then the last one, legacy. What do you want to be remembered for? What legacy do you want to leave on the world? Big question.
1: Ooh, <laughs> I like this. I love your questions. I would, I was. What's, what's speaking to me right now is I just want to be remembered for giving more than I took over-delivering and yeah, just really, you know, making it clear to people how much they're loved around my presence. As long as someone feels that around me, and I gave more than I took, that's all I really want to be known for and remembered for. Yeah. I love that's what that. gives me the most joy And yeah. And satisfaction. But it's selfish gain to some extent too. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. I absolutely
0: love that. So so guys, I'll have links in the show notes. Remember this is, uh, if you go to energetic.education slash podcast, episode 190, and there'll be links for everything. Website, wellbeing warrior, your Instagram, because you do a lot of live videos and you're very big on that. Do you want to give that a plug? <laughs>
1: Yeah, just a little little plug, of course. Um, so those that are wanting to serve kids at a much higher level, whether that's coaching or speaking, you're really feeling called to build your own movement. I have a free Facebook group and it's called Empower Teens Make Money. So I'm really open about how to make an impact and income serving kids. It's of course giving back to the kids, but we also have to back ourselves as, as leaders as well and make an income. So if anyone that's really wanting to step into coaching or speaking to kids or teenagers, just find us on Facebook, free Facebook group, Empower Teens Make Money and just come hang out with us. And there's a lot of free t- tips and trainings in that group for you.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I think that is probably one of the hardest things when you do venture out into the speaking world or running gigs and things like that. How do you charge? Am I worthy mm-hmm. of that? What do I charge? How do I ask like that? How do I get this? So being part of a group like that, and, and I get that a lot, and I'm sure you do. Oh, what do you charge? How do you do that? How do you get that conversation going? So yeah. I'm guessing that's where you really help people.
1: Oh, exactly. Literally foundational work because it's, it's everything I wish I had in the beginning because I, I had to learn so much and it took me much longer than it should have. So I really take the guesswork out for a lot of beginner coaches and speakers for kids and it's very niche. It's literally this is for the education market, you know. So if you're wanting to serve kids, just, yeah, come, come hang out and learn off people who have achieved what you're after and we can cut the learning curve for you.
0: I love that and I think that's great advice. Find somebody that is doing what you want to do and you don't need to go out and create it yourself just follow them learn from them and then once you understand it make your own mark and find your own character so lenita thank you so much i loved uh your webinar and again i'll have links for that so go and check that out um and today's been a blast so thank you so much for your time being on the show
1: awesome thanks so much dale i've had so much fun and yes super thankful we've connected